Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to have a special episode. We're not answering questions. We are just going to talk and share some real life ministry stories. We're going to talk about critical moments uh, that you and I have had. We're going to talk about sacred moments that we've had. Miracles of provision, things that God has done for us. We're going to brag on God. We're going to brag all about God. And then we're going to talk about uh, how podcasting came about and how Pastor Duke started podcasting. It's all your fault, Johnny. It's all your fault. I'll take this one. I like it. I, I like. There's some things I like being blamed for. This one's it. <laughs> oh, it's been a lot of fun. I've asked uh, John if I could share just a little biblical foundation for where we're going here, and it's we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a great time. Well, let's pray, and then you can you jump pray, in and I won't let's jump pray. in. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, may you be glorified, and Father, may uh, those in ministry that listen to this, mm-hmm. Father. If they're struggling, if they're wondering, may they be edified and lifted up and encouraged through this podcast. And Father, may others who have no desire to go into ministry, but it might help them to understand what pastors go through, what people in ministry go through, and they'll be either more compassionate, more prayerful, uh, and more encouraging. Father, use this podcast for all of your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against this church. It means from generation to generation, God's going to touch young men and, and, and women to to be fully surrendered, to step up and be the leaders for the next generation. And you were one, and I was yeah, one. Right? And I remember as that newborn believer, I would hear these preachers come in, these missionaries, they tell these God stories, and it's like, oh, I want to have my own God stories. Right? Do you not get it? When, when people talk about God stories, you go, I want I want in. It's just automatic. I want in. I want Lord, to have my use own. me. Yeah, and yeah. Johnny's got a boatload of them, and so do I. You're right. We're going to dump some of them on you guys today. Amen. You're going to love it yeah. because it's all about Jesus, and he's faithful. Yeah. And my, my mind goes back to Moses. You know, he... He you know, had that birth, you know, and his mama floated him on the Nile River, and Pharaoh's daughter finds him. What a story! And at age forty, he's confident, you know, I'm the deliverer. I'm gonna, re- <laughs> I'm gonna get him out of here. They're my people. And he tries. He gives it, and he utterly fails. You have a vision, a death of a vision, and then a supernatural resurrection of the vision. He's four. He's eighty years old now. Right. Forty years passed on the backside of the desert. He's a, uh, he's a, a burning bush. Any old bush will do when God is in it. And he he, uh, he he stops. He just forgets about shepherding for a moment, goes up to see the bush, and God's got a plan for him. Take my people, lead right. them out of Egyptian right. slavery. This is right. like the mighty military power of the world. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. The yeah. people aren't going to believe you sent me. And God yeah. said, oh, yes, they will. What's that in your hand? Uh, staff. Throw it down. <laughs> it becomes a serpent. Pick it up by what? His tail. The tail. It's probably a cobra. I don't want to touch a cobra. Yeah, right. right. The last place I want to touch the cobra is the tail. Yeah. That's total surrender on Moses. See, are you listening here, gang? That's where the power turns on. Total surrender. Surrender. Jump in for a moment. That, uh, so that, that is, it's so funny because every time I've seen God move in mighty ways, it's when I completely surrendered, whether, and and there were times, listen, there there were times where God's asked me to do things that scared the crap out of me. Bejeebers. The bejeebers. The bejeebers. Yes. Don't say crap. 
bejeebers. Do I really need to remind you of some other podcast uh, where you use the word crap? That's true. That's true, Johnny. <laughs> All right, so it scared the bejeebies there out of me. And, um, but I said, okay, Lord. Brokenness. Yeah. And that, that full surrender. And and Moses, he grabs it by the tail, and it turn, becomes a uh, staff yeah. again. It's a willingness to do what you know you can't do. Yeah. And God is telling Moses, and Moses was right. They're not going to believe you sent me. Right. He, Pharaoh's going to, yeah, let his, his whole uh, economic foundation just walk away with me, you know. And uh, he and God said, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing here. And they put Did you say it with a New York accent? Oh, yeah, from Long Island. I, I, from I Long know Island. what I'm doing. God's from Long Island, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, put your hand in your in your mantle there. Pull it out. Leprosy all over the place. Put it back in. It's cleansed. You know what I'm saying? Pour that water on the ground. What you got? <laughs> it turns to blood, you know. <laughs> I've been practicing this for 40 years. Just for you, John. And, uh, and uh, I he like how you threw a New York accent <laughs> in on God. It just happens, you know. Yo, Moses. Moses. You ain't yo, listening yo, to on. me, Moses. Come on. <laughs> there you go. You got it. You got it happening. So Moses is equipped with the evidence of the supernatural, just to put it in a phraseology. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. The evidence of of the supernatural. I saw that on you just in our first phone call before I even met you. We had, we talked on the phone about coming up here and it's kind of like this guy's got a couple kids. He's about 40 years old and he's going to start with nothing. I was he's, 39. He's got a, he's got a great uh, financial base and owns a home uh, business. And he's going to walk away from all that to come to upstate New York <laughs> where you get a dirty look, a left hook and your money took on a good day, <laughs> on a good day, <laughs> on a good day. You know, he's going to come up here and start with nothing. Right. That makes absolutely no sense, Johnny. Right. You know, it was funny when I left New York, uh, New York, when I left North Carolina, um, I had a family, two girls, and a business. So this is your second go around. It was my second go around. <laughs> That's how dumb John is. <laughs> he and, did it twice. I only did it once, uh, man. <laughs> I did it twice. So I sold everything, sold my house, sold the business. That makes no everything. sense, John. And I had guys, and they loved me. Yeah. But they were like, John, you're not, you're not thinking, man. You got listen. You're 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 in your mid thirties. You got to think about retirement. You got to think about your kids. You got and you're going to go off and do ministry. You're not thinking right. Mm -hmm. And these were Christians that they love me, guys that love me. But I looked at them and I went, man, God's called me. I got to go. You don't know the fire burning in my heart. So here's, I did. Here's how that happened for me. I'm driving down the road, and uh, I mean, this is a, those critical moments that I'm going to tell you about. Oh, I love the story, Johnny. I'm driving down the again. road and God says, uh, God says, you, you need to go to Bible college. And I went, no, I don't. <laughs> I want you to go to Bible. God, I'm not, listen, I tithe, I give, I give to missions. I'm faithful Sunday school teacher. I'm and God's got to grab Johnny. <laughs> well, here's how he listen to it, me. Right. So I did what everyone does. I just turned up the radio cause I got tired of hearing about hearing God tell me, right. Yeah, drown him out. Right. So I drown him out. And then all of a sudden, like 30 seconds, a minute later, my phone rings. It's Pastor Brothers. He's like, uh, hey, John, can we meet for breakfast? Sure, we can meet for breakfast. I met him in 1978. So I uh, don't think it's the same Joe Brothers you're talking about. You're thinking of Joe Brothers from New York. Yeah. This is Joe Brothers from Georgia. Oh, okay. Different guy. Yeah. So. I just called him Brother Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So he calls me up. 
He says, can we meet for breakfast? Absolutely. So we meet at Cracker Barrel 8 a.m. the next morning. And we're sitting there, and he said, um, John, I just have to tell you, God told me to tell you you need to go to Bible college. Now, yep. nobody knew about that. Nobody knew about the conversation between me and God. And I looked at him, and the minute he told me that, the Holy Spirit said, you either surrender now or I will never call you again. Mm-hmm. Critical, critical moment. moments in time. And it's so private. You can't explain it to anybody, but you know God is talking to me. I've only had a few of those in my whole life. Yep. But my whole life. They were life, unmistakable. Yeah. But your whole life is going to unfold in a powerful yeah. and scary yeah. yet exciting and in the end, down the road, fruitful way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so here's the cool thing. So I looked at him, and I went, okay. And he goes, huh? <laughs> right? He didn't he know did. about you trying to drown out God. <laughs> right, exactly, right? <laughs> so then I get home. We, we get done with breakfast. I drive home. And as I'm driving... <laughs> So as I'm driving home, got a little obstacle at home called a wife that likes to have uh, some kind of security, yes. likes her daughters to eat yes. and all that kind of stuff. So I get home, I go into the kitchen. She, my wife's in the kitchen at the standing at the sink, and I said, "Hey, babe, um, listen, uh, God is calling me to go to Bible college. He's calling me into the ministry." <laughs> she looked right at me. She goes. I know I've been waiting on you. <laughs> yeah. See, when God moves, God moves everything. Yeah. He doesn't just move one thing, He moves a thousand things in one move. That is the word affirmation. Yeah. I call them smooches. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Jesus just wants to smooch us because I've learned, and, and we, all of us who've known Him for a little while, we've learned that when you know God is in it, the fear uh, no longer is in control. I still have right. moments of fear, but right. they no longer control me. You do what you know God wants you to do. And that's what Moses was doing up on that mountain. He knew that God was in it. Right. And he heads back down. It's interesting. He stops off to his father-in-law and says, I'm going back to Egypt. He never mentioned the burning bush. Right. He just laid low on that. But he knew. <laughs> and the father-in-law was like, okay, Pharaoh's dead. And this new Pharaoh probably doesn't know who you are, so you're probably safe. Go back and check it out. He knew that was important to Moses. And he goes back in. And he goes before the leaders, and uh, uh, God spoke to Aaron. Aaron comes out to see him, and they hadn't seen each other in 40 years, and and they're pretty happy about it. And Moses tells Aaron, Aaron believes, but um, he goes before the people, and the, the elders get together, and he tells them the story, and they just, you're an idiot, Moses. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And, Isn't it crazy then, how the people on the outside looking in, if they're not truly con- I mean, and it, they can be saved, but if they're not truly connected— God hasn't shown him that yet. They haven't shown. But here's the exciting yeah. part. He goes to the people. They don't believe him. And uh, then, and just like you and I, we come to New York, and people don't want to care about Jesus. They don't care what we got to say. But they're watching Moses. And then God does the supernatural. They see the supernatural, mm-hmm. and now Israel's in. They know God's in. Yeah. You and, know, when, when I moved, so a friend of mine— uh, Tim Upchurch, love him to death, man. He ha- he does realty. So he's like, John, I'll sell your house for you. 
Well, first off, the business. I had to sell the business. And then when I surrendered, someone called me and asked me, or, or God said, hey, you need to call this guy. And I'm like, I don't need to call that guy. He's not going to buy my business. You need to call this guy. So I call him, and his name's Craig. I call him, and, and I said, hey, listen, uh, I'm selling my business. If you know anybody that's interested, he goes, uh, John, I can't buy your business. And I go, I didn't say you. I just said if you know anybody that's interested. Two weeks later, he calls me back. A week later, he owns the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we sell the house. <laughs> Smooches. God says, I'm in it, man. Watch me. Then, then we leave, put the house on the market, and we get to Springfield, Missouri. And then two weeks later, three weeks later, I get a phone call from Tim. Hey, John, your house is sold, and they're paying cash. <laughs> well, that's and sad. Then three he smooches. Said, I'm only going to charge you. Dude. Man, you can see the smooches everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Then Tim said, listen, John, uh, man, my gift to you, uh, Luann and Tim, he says, our gift to you is we're only going to charge you what it cost us to actually do the, the, transaction. the, the transaction. And it was like um, he charges, he ended up charging us just over $500. Yeah, and, and God spoke to you and your bride. I'm in this. Yep. And I'll tell you what, we when have, you respond to the critical moment, God's in it. You have we have he has to give us that because we're such wimps. Yeah. <laughs> he has to, and he does. He so faithfully yeah. does. But sometimes he does not he do, sometimes he doesn't give you those gifts until until yeah. I mean, you, you have to, you got to take the step and then he dries up the Jordan. Yeah. See to our audience, this is how God works yeah. in our lives at the human level. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's just, it's insane. But the things of earth go strangely dim mm-hmm. in the light of his glory. And well, grace. Cause remember he told the priest, he goes, you take the first step into the Jordan and then I'll pile up those waters, but you got to do your part. You got to do your part. And he, he, first he puts it on your heart. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It makes no sense, and our flesh kind of resists it, and it, we try to figure it out. It doesn't make sense, and we kind of push against it, but that voice doesn't go away. Right. And you got to be sure of that voice that doesn't go away. And then we pray, Lord, okay, it, it, we start to break down. We, we're surrendered. We really are surrendered, but we're still insecure. Right. And then, then God sees that surrender, and then we're saying, Lord, show me. Yeah. And then right. these things begin to happen. You have the, I call them aha moments, smooches. Lord, you're in this. Right. And I, I remember having mine along the way. And I, I got to experience you having some of these moments. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I I I know what they are because I've I've had that f- fear and 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 then you know the the Because dude, you stepped out. You stepped out and went to no man's land to do only God's work, knowing nobody of where you're going. It's I just, mean, it's, it's just kind of the formula that God uh uses and that's it's so neat to, for us to be able to share this with with you uh because god has plans for you right and our audience absolutely he and uh to just see how he works because it's kind of scary mm-hmm. along the way but it's more to me it's way more exciting than it is scary and um 
you know, so Moses goes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Are, are you drunk, man? Are you kidding me? Let your these are this is our whole economic foundation. Just what well, you guys walk out here, yeah, sure. And then Pharaoh turns up the heat. Things go from bad to worse, mm. and then the people really freak out. Oh, you, you made things worse. And where's God? <clears throat> and then uh, Moses goes to God and says, uh, well, "What are you doing here?" And God said, "Now." I love that word now in that text. God said, now I'm going to show you. And we have that season where God calls us and we surrender. And then we have that season of preparation where we got to go to Bible college and you had to just, you know, I didn't give up any, I'm nine, I'm 20 years old. I got nothing, you know, I sell my little car, get a bicycle, go to Bible school, you know, I <laughs> yeah, don't but, have a but, wife. But wait a minute, think about that, right? Because here's the other thing you shared with me when you surrendered to go to Bible college, right? Number one, your family wasn't behind you. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> really not behind yeah, me. Your friend's not behind you because uh, no, you no, lost no. all those. Yeah. So everything, all of a sudden your whole world, and I don't care how old you are, when your whole world gets flipped upside down, it's, it's, it's something, right? And then how about when your dad hands you a thousand dollars and you say, no, dad, I'll do this trusting God. Then you got to sell your car because yeah. you need, but had you taken a thousand, you wouldn't have had to sell your car, but you couldn't take the money because. Yeah. My dad uh, tried to pay my way through Bible college. It was liquor money and I don't think liquor is a good thing. And so I, I did give him his money back. He was pretty upset with me, but later he was really proud of me. But you know, what, what is manifest here is this. I'm in, right. I'm surrendered. Yeah. But now, so you hear, but I, but people got to understand some sacrifices here. Okay, you sell your car and you get a bicycle. Yeah, I had had a car since I was 15. Now I'm 20. It's really fun to invite a girl out on a date on a bicycle, you know. It's not even a tandem bicycle, you know. You want to sit on my handlebars? Honey, get on the handlebars <laughs> and uh, keep your feet in those little nuts on the bottom. And, uh, yeah. And pray I don't, <laughs> pray I don't I'll fall over here. But these, these are just the ingredients on how God works. Right. In our lives, through the generator, whether it was Moses, Old Testament, uh, Paul in the New Testament, Duke in the early uh, in the early seventies, or John in the eighties or nineties, uh, it's just the same formula. God's going to equip Moses with the evidence of the supernatural. God's going to equip Paul with the evidence of the supernatural. God's going to equip Duke and John with the evidence of the supernatural people are watching us. And just the fact that we're here makes no sense. My wife was six months pregnant when we came. I had no job. I had no support. I gave up a really good job in Missouri. I was, and uh, by the way, Missouri, I call that Disneyland USA. Everything was so cheap out in Missouri. Oh, the price, the cost of living. When we got here, we saw the price of uh, apartments was double. The price of food was about 60% more. The price of it gasoline took your was, breath away. Yeah, it just freaked me out. And I just said, well, these people make it. God's with me. I'll make it too. But the people were watching us. And our, it turns out our problems became our opportunity. Uh, the people that we originally met, uh, Connie and Wally Snyder, the first people we met here, they're still with us all these years later. And Amen. they have experienced God in their lives. Connie was saved. Wally wasn't. He came to Christ about six months later. And they watch us. And while he's trying to figure this out, it's like they're young and married. He seems that he's educated. He's got a, a college degree and he's leaving all this behind. His wife's pregnant. They come to New York. They don't know a soul here. The only people they know here is me. They're going to come to start a church and they have no money and they have no support. <laughs> and this absolutely doesn't make any sense. But he had compassion on him. He's really got a tender heart, especially towards pregnant women. He said, well, if you come and have a service, I'll come. And he started watching. So were you like, were you like Abraham, you paraded? 
uh, that paraded Sarah. <laughs> I, paraded, I paraded my pregnant wife in front of Wally. He's like, well, she trusts him, and here they are. And if they had come, and he saw my car was an old rundown Ford Country sedan, and it was barely running, and he said they're coming back to New York in that car, these poor couple. But he watched us, and he saw the hand yeah. of God take care of us people used to say well you got to raise money and all this kind of stuff and i i I never did try to even even try to raise money i just came asked god to give me a job which he did i was bivocational for four and a half years worked nights at ups drove school bus in the morning and the afternoon just barely made it but people were watching and god's and the people saw the hand of god on us our problem became our church planting opportunity right. and people begin to take confidence. And I saw the same thing in you, but I'd like to back up. Why don't you tell the part of the story where we connected in the phone call and the yeah, trip how up. crazy is all of that? So I love this. Story. So Bill Levergood, uh, it was Christmas of Oh five new years of Oh six. So right before we go on break, uh, in 05, it was my last semester coming up. I was going to graduate that following May and Bill Levergood, who was the Dean uh, at the college. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, he was like, Hey John, what are you, what are you doing for Christmas? I said, man, you are not going to believe this, but God has called us to New York. And so we're going to drive to Cleveland, spend Christmas with Sherry's mom, and then drive from Cleveland to Albany, New York and see if that's where God wants us. And he goes, Albany, New York. I go, yep, that's where God's made. We call this survey trips. Yeah. Yeah. You call it survey trips, right? So he said, Hey, I got a guy you need to talk to. And I went, who's that? He goes, Duke Herget. He's a pastor up in half moon and, um, suburb of Albany. I'm going to give you his number and you call him. And so you and I connected through that. And I said, Hey, listen, I'm driving out. I think God wants me in, in Albany, New York. And, uh, Bill Levergood gave me your number. And then of course you're like, yeah, you know, come on out, blah, blah, blah. So we drive out and I, we stay exit nine Clifton park, best Western. Western. And then you show up uh, the morning of uh, New Year's. New Year's Day. New Year's Day, yeah. And, um, and of course, he comes up, and I go to shake his hand, and he goes right past me to my daughters, and I thought, how freaking rude. <laughs> they were cuties. <laughs> right? Yeah, you or your daughter, that's an easy choice. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know, right? So, man, he has fun, jokes around with my kids, and then he says hello to Sherry and I. And uh, then we get in the car, and we drive around for eight hours. Yeah. I did get a sore butt that day, as I recall. Eight hours. My kids and my wife sat in the back. Duke and I sat up front, and my kids were awesome. You never heard a negative word out of them. Mm -hmm. You never heard not one complaint. Oh, they were. Never heard a disparaging word of any sort. It won my heart. For eight hours in the backseat of a car. It was a miracle. Not one complaint. <laughs> That's so, after they had driven all the way, eight hours to here and 14 there and eight more here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just going to tell you guys, and I don't say this lightly, and I don't say I don't say it just because my they're my, my children. Dude, my daughters are solid. Mm-hmm. Legit. At any rate, 
So then we get in the car for eight hours. We're driving around, and Duke's, like, taking us to everything, <laughs> every town, every site, up in the Corning Tower. We, I mean, we went everywhere. Yeah. The overlook of the capital region is quite a, quite a sight. You can see uh, three states from up there, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Pencil- all of it. Uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, no, no, not quite uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, but you see Massachusetts. Massachusetts, you see the mountain, Vermont. Vermont, and, and, of course, New York. See the Adirondack Mountains yeah, up to the I north, thought, Catskills to the south. Yeah, I thought the they Catskills said Catskills block it out. You can't is see that what it. Because yeah. I thought on a clear day they said you could see Pennsylvania. Uh, Maybe I don't know, but you right. can see you can see a lot. Yeah, a lot, right? It's beautiful, beautiful. At any rate, we get, we get um, we get in the car, we're driving around, and then we come to this red light and turn right, and we go about a quarter mile, and God said, "This is home." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Duke, where are we?" He said, "East Greenbush." I went, "Oh, okay." Not another word was said. We go on. Get back to the hotel about six o'clock that evening, five thirty, and we're sitting uh, on the bed. TV's on. Girls are watching the TV, and I asked Sherry. I said, "Hey, if if God were to call us out here, where where do you think it would be?" And she said, "East Greenbush." Mm-hmm. And I said, <clears throat> "Right." And I said, "And by the way, this is a sacred moment because without this." I would have left New York a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, just being honest, Duke, you 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 know what I've been through. Yeah, as a pat like you, <laughs> dude, I've been kicked in the face more times than I care to count. Mm-hmm. And you you know because you and I have met and we've talked through it, and and uh, I'm not quitting. And you knew that when I sat down, I wasn't quitting. I just had to cry, mm-hmm. <laughs> get it out right. So, at any rate, my wife says East Greenbush, and I went. Where in the world were you when you got that idea? And she said, well, you kind of come down this dip, up the hill, and then you come up to the light. And on the left was True Value. On the right, Pizza Hut. And across from us was KFC. And she said, uh, at that light, God said, this is home. Well, for me, it was at that intersection, we had turned right. And then God said it was home. So once again, God called, God told Sherry before he told me it was home. Just like he did when you're going to Bible college. When are you going to get with the program, Johnny? I, I'm a little slow. Call me Peter. <laughs> <laughs> John Peter. Sacred moments. <laughs> and, you know, it just, just in a, a moment in time and place where you least expect it, God speaks. And when, when God speaks, those moments never, uh, you, you can't walk away from them. They're just, uh, they're cemented in our soul. I remember when I had my moment, uh, I thought I was going to England, those doors shut. Uh, I had... Because uh, you had a better New York accent than England, than <laughs> a British. Really pick up on the British accent. So he did send me to Long Island, you know, Long Island. So it, it, I... I uh, <laughs> I really, ha- I follow the Beatles a lot, you know. So <laughs> perhaps, perhaps I could go to London and be a church planter in London. You yeah. might actually fit in. There. <laughs> You're doing pretty good. <laughs> so God closed that door. That was clear. And then we knocked on a lot of doors. I wrote a letter, a bunch of letters. Oh. I got a, I got a letter back from New York, and I, it spoke to me. This guy used. Uh, 
reverse psychology pastor uh from uh, rochester he goes yeah people want to come to new york they they talk oh new york new york yeah we'll come here and they said they fall like flies this is not a place for wimps people you know this is a preacher's uh graveyard they come and they fail they fall wow. and i'm like yeah you shall show you <laughs> you know it's perfect for me man and uh what a challenge yeah I'm, i stepped up and, and he had other things about towns and in the spiritual realities in new york and i didn't wasn't really aware of it and I, I got a lot, I got six or eight letters and I made eight or 10 phone calls. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Just nice guys saying that letter was kind of rude actually, which I like that. <laughs> and, uh, I left that out for my wife to read. And so, uh, she saw it and she read it. And then I get home from work and uh, the letter's out and I could tell that she read it. I said, did you read the letter from New York? She goes, yeah. She said, what did you think? I said, well, I asked you first, what do you think? And she started to cry. Yeah. She said, I think God is leading us to New York. And then I started crying. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, New York. I just read, I had all kinds of, le- and had that letter. Then I read, and then she is touched. So like, okay, then I, I call my, uh, I tell my pastor in Missouri, that we think maybe New York. And he hooked me up with a guy that left the church a month before I arrived at the church in, in Springfield, Missouri. He went to New York and started a church. His name was Fred Morton and Hornell, western side of the state. I call him on the phone, and he told me the same thing. And he was like, oh, you're from Berean. I, I've heard your name. And, oh, I, yeah, come to New York. You can't go to the wrong place in New York. So I, right. I, uh, he, he affirms it. And, uh, and so I'm like, wow. And Joellen's listening in. We, uh, we have a three-way conversation. He's such a polite, wonderful, warm guy. Became great friends instantly. New York, there's like another affirmation. That was on a Sunday night. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, I get a phone call from Eastern New York, a guy named Ron Horton. I don't know Ron Horton from Adam. He said, I hear you want to come to New York. I'm like, and start a church. I'm like, yeah, who told you that? He said, a guy named Ron Abersall. I don't know him either. He's a pastor in Corning, New York. So I got my New York map out, Hornell, Western, uh, Berlin in the Taconic Valley, east of us. Uh, on the east side of the state, and now Corning in the middle of the state. How'd you get in? Right. I don't know. And then, uh, and then there was a guy named Ron Reuter, uh that went to college with me, and I did not know this until like five years after I arrived. Somehow, my name goes from Eastern New York or Western New York to Eastern New York in four days. Eastern New York calls me and says, "Come to New York and." candidate for our little church. He had been there two years. The church ran about 40 that he wanted to come to Albany and start a church and me maybe become the pastor in that church. I'm like, New York's called me. I'm gone. So I bought a ticket uh, to fly into New York, uh, through Chicago, American airlines. We fly into the Albany International Airport, which was not, it was the Albany County Airport right. yeah, in those like, days. The only reason it's international is because Canada flies in there or you get flights from Canada. But the reality is it's a county airport. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I fly big. in from, I, I'm flying in, we're banking over. You've made that, I'm sure you've made that flight many times. And it, the plane kind of blanks coming, uh, kind of uh, tilts coming into uh, the airport. And you see the lights from Albany to Saratoga. Of course, I never heard of Saratoga. But I saw the lights, and I had my moment mm-hmm. all by myself. And uh, the, the scripture came to my mind as Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem, 
which I've sat there many times as well. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I gathered you under my wings as a hen doth gather chicks, but you would not. And I'm seeing those lights from Albany to Saratoga. And God spoke to me and said, you're home. Mm -hmm. This is it. Somewhere down here in these lights. And it turned out to be kind of the north central part of those lights where I landed. I, now, there's a little church out there on the east side of those lights. Uh, I went out and preached. And they're check bounce. I wound up paying my own way. Welcome to New York. <laughs> the check bounces. And uh, so I paid my own way. That's terrible. And uh, they never paid me back. So but as an investment I made in missions. To but you York. also knew then that that wasn't your church either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't know the church uh the check bounced until after they said they don't want me to be their pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I was 24 years old, and uh, you think I'm dumb, ugly, and my mother dresses me funny now. You should have seen me then. That was a mess. So now. they they say we don't want you, and we're not even going to pay you. No, yeah, nothing. well, I don't know if they said that, but they they they, <laughs> they call me back Wednesday night and said we don't want you to be our pastor. You're too young. Now that night, they took me after I preached Sunday morning taught Sunday school, interviewed me all Sunday afternoon, fed me dinner. Did I preached the evening service. They took me to Albany, New York, and I got there about 9 o'clock, and I stayed with Mike Hackathorn, lifetime, eternal friend, Mike Hackathorn, who just 14 months prior started a church in Albany. He was a church planter a few years older than me. He was on the front line, the darkest city in America, doing it for Jesus. And he was so on fire. We stayed up till four in the morning talking about church planting. And he said, if they don't call you out there, you should come to the capital region and start a church. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, he fired me up. We slept for one hour. And then he took me to the airport. And I flew from Albany to Chicago, Chicago to Springfield. The next day, I resigned my job on Tuesday at the Lakes Country Rehabilitation Center. I was the director of the workshop. I was a member of the RCEP committee. They chose me, a federal agency, to write postgraduate curriculum for people in, uh, in uh, uh, college, uh, you know, like the master's program or doctoral levels of rehabilitation. I got a three-year non-accredited degree from a, a non-accredited Bible college, and I had a really great but that's not my heart. Right. I'm not a businessman. I'm a preacher. And I, 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 I resigned my job on Tuesday. On Wednesday, they said, we don't want you to come to New York and be our pastor. But Mike Hackathorn said, if they don't call you here, come to the capital region and start a church. So, you know. And here I am. I got, I had surrendered to New York. God had made it clear. You and I had already met. It is two weeks before graduation and the president comes up to me. Is that Mike Randall? It was Mike Randall. Mm -hmm. Yep. He comes up to me and he says, Hey John, there's a church in Virginia. They, and of course at the time the church ran about 500 and he said, uh, the pastor called me and asked me if I knew of anyone that could come in and take care of the people while they built this multi-million dollar building. He need, he wanted to stay on top of the project. And so I would be doing the ministry work and I looked at and house to live in great salary done. Like I could have walked right in and I looked at him and I go, I can't. And he goes, John, you're the only guy that I could think of 
that could do this with no problem. And I said, man, I really appreciate that. And I love you, but God's called me to New York. My home pastor calls me and said, Hey, John, I want you to come back to this church and I want you to come on staff for an internship for two years and then go start your church in New York. I said, preacher, I can't do that. God's called me to New York. I didn't go around, raise money. I didn't call anybody. I didn't ask, you know that I didn't even ask you for money, dude. Mm -hmm. I never asked nobody for money. Amen. And cause God said, don't ask for anything I can give you. Oh your, your heavenly father seeth in secret will reward you openly. Yeah. So I told but those of us who are church planters realize your children do like to eat. I know, and, right? <laughs> and we haven't found those money trees yet in New York. We've looked and they they're not there. Yeah. yeah. But preacher, and this this was a sacred moment. Uh, the critical moment was where I said, uh, another critical moment was where I said, no, I can't, I can't go to Virginia. I got to go to New York. God's called me to New York. The sacred moment was. My preacher calls me, John, I want you to come here and come on staff two years, do an internship. And I said, preacher, I can't, I got to go to New York. And preacher said this, and this is a sacred moment. Preacher said, John, normally I would tell any guy doing what you're choosing to do that you would fail miserably because statistically almost a hundred percent of those guys go down. Yeah. I think it's 80%. Yeah. It's, it's way up there. It's way up there. And he said, but if anybody will make it, it'll be you. I'm behind you. And dude, that was a sacred moment for me because yeah. my, my preacher, my pastor he believed in you believed in me. Yeah. That's huge. We, we, we men really need that. We need that. Yeah, right. You know. That's affirmation. And so, uh, man, I came here. Now it's been 15 years ago. This October will be 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just. And we uh, just had two people saved this past <laughs> Sunday. And if you hadn't passed that test, yeah. you know, I mean, God could have saved them some other way, but he saved them this way mm-hmm. through through your ministry. Through we're your ba- matter of fact, we're baptized uh, um, uh, this Sunday. Uh, we're going to baptize four. That's why you we're here, John. Isn't it so cool? That's why we're here. You know, that day we were driving around and we went through that intersection. God spoke to your bride and then he spoke to you and he affirmed. He did it in a supernatural way that you just knew that you knew that you knew that we are coming to New York and we're coming here. And what you didn't know then, that's the east side of the Hudson River. And everybody's ever ministered in, in the capital region <laughs> believes this. You know, the from the Bible, it says we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood against principalities and powers. There's demonic activity over regions, and I, I'm telling you, the Hudson River is, is the a divine. line of div- it's a div- line, and on the on the east side or the west side where I'm at, most all the churches are that have succeeded is on the on the uh, west side. You're one of those crazy guys on the east side, and I'm telling you, everybody believes the demonic powers are stronger over here. They're real, and God, oh, I'm telling you, I've talked this, I've had this with you know 20 different pastors from the region, and everybody agrees this is the hardest place on this side. But um, even even uh, uh, who does the surveys? I can't Barna survey. Yeah, Barna did the survey, and uh, even in the survey, 
East Greenbush specifically was the hardest town in America to reach people yeah. with the gospel. Yeah, the hardest region is Albany, and the hardest place is East Greenbush. How but God brought the right guy there, you know? <laughs> the guy can't spell the word quit. He went all through the letter K's in the, in the dictionary. <laughs> quit, quit, quit. He couldn't find it, so he just gave up and stayed, you know? <laughs> yeah, when you can't spell, you just don't want nobody to know. <laughs> but people have found Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, multitudes of people are going to have everlasting life because way back when in the quiet of, of your little church back in your home church and God spoke to you about Bible college and he spoke to your wife first and God spoke to you about New York and he spoke to your wife about New York and then he specifically he spoke to your wife he spoke to you he smooched yeah. you he made it he affirmed it and then our financial realities where we need miracles were right. just his opportunity right. to step up and do the great God things. Well, you know, real quick, here's some miracles. For the last 10 years, 11 years, on average, we've won 50 people a year to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank on you, Jesus. average... We baptize 24 of those 50 every year. Incredible. Every year for the last 10, 11 years, those are our numbers. And, and I don't, listen, you know, people are like, numbers don't matter. And I agree, numbers don't matter. Except but that there are people that are going to heaven, and that matters. That matters. And that numbers, really matters. Listen, numbers, numbers help tell the story, too. You know, I mean. Uh, They're the evidence of what God is doing. Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, I don't save anyone. I just preach the gospel. God saves. Uh, I do get them wet. Some I hold down a little longer than others. But <laughs> Jesus was down three days. So but just... think about that. Every year on average, man, we win 50, baptize 24 on average. That's why we're here. And God could see that all unfolding way back when, when we were just those young guys surrendered and we got some education. And then it comes that time of surrender again for you to, well, it was me too, because when we moved up here, I was married. We did have a baby on yeah. the way. And uh, and then God just began to do a parade of miracles. We got a place to meet in the basement of a bank for free. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful room, community room for free in New York. That was a miracle. Everybody knew it. And then uh, we got our first piece of property. Uh, we were looking for uh, three, four acres in, in the uh, Clifton Park area, you know, two acres, uh, $200,000, three acres, $500,000. We got we have $5,500 in the bank. I want to tell this one. And we got to switch to the podcast thing because yeah. this is amazing. Well, story I want to share, I want to share a quick, a couple of miracles of provision real quick and then, then get to the podcast. So go ahead and finish that up. Long story short. Uh, we we wound up buying our first piece of property. It was uh, just a piece of country farmland. It found us. The guy bought a farm, subdivided, heard I was uh, looking for land. Uh, he um, called me, and I visited the property. And long story, it was just a country uh, piece of farmland on the edge of a farm. And it was, I, I checked out, it was listed at 12.9. It was an acre and a half, 300 feet frontage with, you know, sides. Uh, I could maybe buy some more property in the years ahead. And we had $5,500 in the bank. And I went to him. He was a building inspector in our town. His name was Judd Morris. And I said, Judd, uh, I, I've checked it out. It's it's listed at, at 12 9 I said, we have $5,500 in the bank. I can't give you money we don't have. And I said, we'd offer you um, $7,500. We'll give you $5,500 down and 2000 more uh, as it comes in. Maybe take three or four months to do that. 
He said, well, I'll talk with my wife and get back with you. He called me the next day and said, says, Pastor Duke, he goes, I'm sorry. I talked over my, we cannot accept your offer. I said, I wouldn't accept it either. He said, we do have a counter offer. I said, what's that? He goes, 5,000. Right? How good is God? 5,000. I offered him 7,500. He said, no, 5,000 is enough. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. And our people felt that, so they had a confidence. Dude, I got goosebumps, right? I, I it's could, a God thing. I Literally, I could do an two hours mm-hmm. on the miracles of provision, but I want to hear a couple here, and then we got to jump into the podcast yeah, thing. Yeah, so. this the, is a very recent cool God thing. Yeah, so, well, so one of the, one of the miracles of provision for me was... Uh, and it, and this was over and over and over again, but but one very specific. So we you you knew we had we were broke when we got here. We, you know <laughs> everybody is, of course you are. That's <laughs> the way it works. We were broke. It's the formula. And so we get here, and I'm cutting grass, and my wife comes outside. So I shut the mower down, and she said, "Hey, we are a thousand dollars short from paying the mortgage." Just what you want to hear. Right. And I said, you're talking to the wrong guy. And I started to mow her up and drove off. <laughs> now, meanwhile, I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, you <laughs> like, I need you big time. Right, Lord? Because one of the things, one of the uh, uh, critical moments for me was when we came here and bought a house. You know, we found a place to live and everything and then went back to the Best Western and I was standing in the parking lot, leaning against a tree. And I remember I said, God, I'll move here. And the only thing I ask of you is that we are always able to pay our bills because I want to be a solid testimony to you. The worst thing is Christians that don't pay their bills. That's the worst. Amen. And I said, God, I never want to be that person. And uh, God, the only other thing I would like is that I always pay my bills. And then the other thing is that I can take my wife and children out once a week to have dinner. God, that's all I ask. Uh, I'll never be uh, uh, crazy with money. I'll always be frugal, be smart, so on and so forth. So now, fast forward, we, we've moved here. We, uh, I'm mowing grass. My wife tells me we need $1,000. I drive off, and I'm praying, praying, praying. And then uh, that was on a Friday. On Monday we check our mailbox and there's a check in there for a thousand dollars. The exact amount, the exact amount. So God can do math. Well, and, and check this out. So he knows your needs before you ask. And you know who it was from? It was from the pastor who was doing the building project in Virginia that wanted me to come out. Oh, now I got goosebumps that I had met one time. I had met one time prior, right? Wow. And he says, he writes it on there. God is so good. And he writes on there, uh, hey, John, I heard what you're doing. You moved to New York and thought you could use this. I'll be praying for you. God bless. Oh, man. And, dude, that happened. I can't tell you how many times that happened where literally we got excited to check the mailbox. I got my story, my story, my story on the same thing. So you're saying God's faithful? God is so faithful. You say he's big. He cares yeah. about us. He's really into this church planting he's thing. He's into it. He's he's right. in he's you know what? He is into people that are into him and that are willing to go, "Okay, God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've called me here, and so I'm going to step out believing that you're going to take care of me because you called me." And 
And the only difference, you just have to be sure that's where God called you. Yeah. And be surrendered. And be surrendered. You have to be surrendered no matter what. To, you can't run. You got to be willing to step out by faith yep. it, against all odds and trust him. Yep. You can't well, I'll run. I'll tell you, when you trust God, you engage the power of heaven when you trust him. And you open up these windows of heaven that Malachi talks about that just pour out blessings in so much that you can't receive it all. And Johnny, you sat as a young man under the preaching, heard these God stories. And, and then now I, I was living them. You got it. And I'm still living them. Tell us, start jumping this podcast thing. This blows my mind. Cause this, we, okay. re, we reconnect again in this story. And right. I love it. Yeah. So Duke and I, you know, Duke's got his ministry. I got my ministry and we see each other. We have lunch uh, occasionally. And, and that's kind of about where we're at. And, um, you know, every now and then we went, to maybe a meeting or something like that. And, but then, uh, we're like, Hey, you know, it was time for us to have uh, lunch again. And we meet at our typical spot, which is McGreevy's there in, in, uh, uh, Waterford. Waterford. York, yep. And so we go down there and we're talking and I said, Hey Duke, listen, man. Um, he's telling me about these things that he wants to share. And I go, dude, uh, look, I'm doing a podcast. I didn't really know what a podcast was. (laughs) What's a podcast? And I'm like, dude, I'm doing a podcast. Why don't you join me and share these things that are on your heart on my podcast, which was about Israel. And, um, when these things happen, I I remember those were the two things that we did when these things happen, part one and part two. Yeah. And I see, and I updates. Yeah. yeah. And I said, Hey, listen, come on over and do the podcast. And, and he was like, okay. So he comes over, we do the podcast, then comes over the next week. We do the second podcast and then we do the, it was such a hit. It was a home run, dude. And people were loving it. So it was then, fun. All this technology kind of freaked me out. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're the geek on that front. Deer, so. deer in the headlight look, right, with Duke. And uh, and so then as we keep meeting and keep meeting, I'm like, uh, Duke sharing with me, uh, hey, I, I, man, I would love to do this, and I want to get this out, and I want to get, like, it, like my life ministry, uh, there's some things in there that I want to get out. Let me jump in here for a minute. I had an angst. The Holy Spirit convicted me years ago to write and I, I have written, but getting published was another thing. Now it's getting a little simpler with uh, some technology and, and all that. But it was, you know, to spend a lot of money to self-publish. And right. so I had been sitting on this for literally 10 years, children's stories uh, under conviction and not really knowing what to do about it. Totally intimidated, feel like I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. And then this guy comes along. Right. Take over. This becomes a God thing. And so as we're talking, each time we sit down and do a podcast, he's sharing his heart with me. I'm like, dude, you need to do a podcast. And he's like, oh, you know, got to do this with money. And I got this going on. I got this. I'm like, daggum, man. What? I'm tired of the excuses, man. You need to do and I kept telling him, and he's like, well, I got this. I got that. And I go, dude, I'm telling you, man. Shut up. Like, Get your stuff. The worst excuses ever. That just, was pretty lame. Just invest. And he's like, well, I'll invest. we got to wait on it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So a month goes by, and every time we get together, I have to go, Duke, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And he was like, well, not yet. I'm waiting. i got to transfer money here. i got to do this here. And I'm like, Duke, you ready? You ready? And then finally, I think it was October or November. No, it was September because our first – it was late September, early October because – I, it took about out, two months. Well, it took about it took about four months of you knocking me around. Yeah, yeah. 
And then I got serious. <laughs> right. And then I said, order the equipment, because I don't know where to right, start with right. all this. You know, and, and, and listen, there's nothing more. I, when it comes to ordering equipment and ordering things, I am like a woman that you have given permission to go shopping. Yeah, I gave him, for my, I gave him my credit card, and he went nuts. And I'm like, dude, okay, you need this and this and this and this. And yeah, this but and you got good prices, and you save me a lot of money. Plus, I didn't have to think. I just, you, you just, right. just unpacked, and then he, then he comes over and sets it all up in my office. So, and the funny thing is, I was like, okay, Duke. Loving me has cost you a lot of time, Johnny. Yeah, that's okay. A lot of frustration. Um, the, God says we have to invest <laughs> in something. So. <laughs> but here's the cool thing. I'm like, Duke, here's the first question you got to answer. Are you in this for the long haul? If you're not, buy cheap crap, do it a couple of months and get out. But if you're in this for the long haul, then get good equipment. Let's do it right coming out of the gate. And he said. I'm in it for the long haul. Yes, sir. So we did. We invested in good stuff that will allow you, because you want to interview pastors. Mm -hmm. You want to, uh, like, we're going to have another pastor on here, uh, Walter mm -hmm. Swaim and uh, Truth Unbound. He's going to be joining us later this year, and we're going to sit down. And we're, He doesn't even know this yet. And we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, he does. We talked about it last night. Okay, yeah, because I was, I was like, I threw it out to him the once. The details aren't in place, but he knows it's going to happen. He knows it's coming. And, uh, and so I said, um, uh, you know, we're going to set down, we can do up to four. And so we set you up to do up to four because I think it's just critical. Like we're able to grow. And but the audience doesn't know how helpless I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even I, an understatement. <laughs> I need him. I get some podcasts where I'm like, Oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> I give him raw material. I do the podcast on the little chip. The little chip costs $8.95 at Walmart to hold, like, what, 130 hours yes. of, 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 of recordings. And, and he brings it to me, not in the case that it comes in. Oh, no, that's too simple. He brings it to me wrapped up in paper with a paper clip slid yeah, over it. And I'm like, yeah, Duke, you got Duke, you have a whole thing. Use it. And then today... I repented today after almost a year, almost a year. He actually brought it to me, not in the case, but at least in the bigger part. <laughs> I looked at it and I went, get back oh. to the story. Jack, quit making fun of me, man. So, <laughs> anyway, he brings stuff and, and I, I would tell him, I'm like, Duke, Duke, you got to focus. You got to focus. Duke, get on the mic. Get on the mic. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And and he's like, yeah, 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 whatever, right? And so then one day I said, hey, Duke, have a seat. We're going we're gonna to edit together. That's what cured me. <laughs> I heard myself before he edited it. Oh, poor Johnny. And how long did it take us to edit a 34-minute podcast? It was two hours and 15 minutes. And, um, uh, and you know, uh, so... Uh, <laughs> And I don't know. <laughs> I repented. So after Duke had to sit there with me through this painstaking process of editing. You knew exactly what you were doing, didn't you? Dude, you had to see what I was going through. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. I told you I was sorry. All of, <laughs> all of a sudden, I started getting way better podcasts. Yeah. He's like, oh, let me stay on the mic. Oh, because he would be like, and I'm going to go ahead and read this and see what, and then I'm going, I'm going, you're killing me. 
after we did this over two hour editing process, I didn't get such junk anymore. <laughs> you have great content, but dude, you could not stay on the mic to save your I life. Oh, I know, but I repented. You did. I, I God, God's grace was you, great. You have worked hard and got great. Well, I learned I have to write out my text, yeah. and that's a lot of work. But then I have a manuscript in addition to the podcast. And somebody someday, if they wanted to, my kids wanted to grab it and pull it up and use it for advance the kingdom. It's it's also there as well, but. Uh, the thing that's really amazing to me is, and I'm so thankful in how this thing merged together. Uh, I would never be doing this because just the technology would just completely blow me away. But uh, God used you to, to introduce me to it, found out what a podcast is. I'd been listening to them, didn't <laughs> even know what they were. Um, had a lot of fun doing this with you. And I think yeah, we Guys, we have, uh, no kidding, uh, we have a blast and there's a lot that goes on that of course obviously is not on this and there's things i have to cut out because yeah, cheech and chong show up every now and it then. is hysterical <laughs> but i can't have all of that on here right yeah, yeah we get a little crazy oh it's so funny and but and johnny it's thing, just a great time there was stuff on my heart that was there forever and now it's not in a book somebody you have to print it and you got to copy it and you got to take it places you got to sell it and get your money back i don't care about money um I got this stuff up. I have 40 podcasts now that I've done and I have to have at the end of the year, maybe 55 at the end of the first year. And so a lot of that stuff that God has given me that can edify and help his church. Yeah. Yes. 24 seven, anywhere in the world for yeah. free. Right. And, uh, I have a sense well, of and not, satisfaction that I, I needed. How about this? So I, I keep track, not, not because I, is an ego booster, uh, although it does help you stay in the pocket. Uh, I've kept track. I am now in, my podcast has been downloaded in 38 countries. 38 countries. I could never get to those 38 countries. Never. Dude, I, I've actually had multiple downloads in China before China finally shut everything down. Right, I, I mean, thirty-eight countries. I don't know how many countries you've you've been. I haven't in. checked it recently. <clears throat> I'm nearing fifteen thousand downloads. Right, and uh, what they say four four listens per download, and that puts around sixty thousand listens. And that's way. More. I was on the road, ministering a lot of prophecy stuff, missions, and things. And uh, the COVID took me off the road, and then Johnny got me into co podcasting. And at the end of the year, I'm going to minister to twice as many people than I otherwise would have. Right. And not only that, but here's the cool thing: is your your podcast will go on when, when you I'm gone. don't. Yeah. Here's a real important point I want to share with the audience. I'm so thankful for this guy, but he does this editing. He's invested hugely in me, and I'm so thankful. But I was on the road for uh, 13 years meeting people, 5,000 friends on Facebook, which is the max. I need to go to Instagram. I guess it's unlimited there and try to spread that. But uh, I was able to be going on according to John here and uh, share that on Facebook with my friends. And they've seen it. And, and Johnny's listenership has really increased yep. because of the connections that, that he has with me. So I had to keep telling him, I'm like, Duke. You have to share according to John. You have to tell people. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll throw it. I go, no, 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 you got to focus on, on putting this out there, right? Because I need exposure. Everyone that starts out podcasting needs exposure. And I was like with Walter. Yeah. Man, his, listen, his numbers have went up uh, since we've put him out here on according on to John ours, yeah. and, and uh, Pastor Duke. 
And so I kept pushing it like, dude, you got to do this. I don't, I don't care where I get my listeners from. Yeah. <laughs> get listeners. But it's like in a, the fact that we did cross, if I was podcasting without you, some miracle happened. It's just, first of all, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think we, we have a nice connection here. Uh, Cheech and Chong, yeah. if you please. And, uh, it, people uh, love us. Uh, <laughs> they do. They probably uh, love you more than me, but I don't care as long as they listen. Yeah, I got I got a better face for audio, but he makes me come and do video. That's funny. But uh, my voice is is being heard in in around the world, and I have a lot of friends in Sweden, and I have a lot of listeners in Sweden, and they get to I, I disciple them from yep. from uh, yep. my podcast ministry. I was uh, at my daughter's house the other day. I went over there uh, it was a couple weeks ago, and I met her neighbor. And the crazy thing is, so my daughter moves in and then they find out that I'm a pastor, you know, her dad's a pastor. So they Google, uh, my name and it comes up, uh, uh, I have a church and a podcast. So both come up. Right. So then they start listening to my podcast and, and then all of a sudden they're listening and she told her mom, now her mom's listening. And then I met a lady the other day and I was like, Hey, glad to meet you. Glad you came to church. So what brought you to church? And she goes, um, I clicked on your podcast, loved it, and then found out you were pastoring here in my hometown. Yeah. And so I came to your church and I thought, oh my goodness, you listened to me and still came to church. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing I'd like to, uh, to throw out uh, about podcasts. I've done children's stories for years in the public schools. and I wanted to get them recorded. And I have, I think, five of them up on podcasting. And uh, my grandson's class in uh, a local public school plays my children's stories yeah. and of course my grandson's so proud that's my papa and uh, they play my stories and i'm not even there and yet i'm ministering to it, it's not really ministering they have moral right. moral things i don't bible verse i don't right. do bible verses but this stuff's up there god can do with it whatever he wants right. and it's way more than i ever dream it's around the world it's 24 7 and it's your fault hey i'll take it there's some things i don't mind being blamed <laughs> for brother. it's all your fault <laughs> and every bit of new york talk i got it's all your fault johnny amen Hey guys, listen, today we just wanted to take some time and share with you a little bit of our ministry stories. You know, there's critical moments in everything. There's sacred moments that you can never forget because they were keys, right? The miracle of provision of how God has shown himself so faithful over and over and over again. And then a little bit about how this podcast started. My podcast started because I wanted to answer questions so that people got real truth and not this bogus stuff that's going around. And so God moved me to do this. And then Pastor Duke, God used me to move him to do his. Guys, I hope both of these podcasts are a blessing to you. I hope this has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And until next week, God bless. God bless.